Good morning, good afternoon, and good evening. Thank you very much, everyone, for joining yet another live stream. Um, it's been a while, I know. Sorry about that. I've been a little bit busy with life, and I've had a few things work-related, um, a few a few work-related things that I had to take care of uh, in the past period. But right now, I am back. I'm going to be focusing on releasing. Um, set of really awesome content in the upcoming few weeks i am preparing for the second episode of our fireside chats and i'm having you know having conversations with different guests so that i can prepare a very nice lineup for you and we're going to continue obviously with these live streams that are career oriented but at the same time i'm going to also be finishing i've been saying this for a while now but i hope that i will uh, be able to complete this soon finishing my github actions course I have a couple of videos left and then I will I will be done with it. And obviously it's all available on YouTube for free. For anyone who wants to learn more about GitHub Actions, you should check out the YouTube channel. As usual, these live streams are all recorded and they are available on YouTube. So you can watch them at any point in time. Uh, I would definitely love it if you watch the live streams because then we can get to engage together. You can get to ask me questions. I can, you know, we can have a conversation, but if you don't have time and I can understand it, these sessions will be available on the channel later on. And as you have seen from my posts, I have started the podcast also, which is going to be purely related or the content that you see in the fireside chats with the guests, as well as the live streams. They're going to be released in audio form and they're going to be available for you on all of the major platforms. So you can go and subscribe to the podcast version. If you don't like to see my face for some reason, you can listen to the audio version only. And it is available on glitch.stream slash podcast. You can go right now and subscribe to it. Today's topic is very awesome and interesting. Well, I don't know about awesome, but I think it's very interesting um, to know about. It's about the imposter syndrome or also known as the imposter phenomenon. I'm going to talk more about it. I'm going to talk about my personal experience with it, how I uh, deal with this feeling that is often a quite you know, unsettling and not necessarily nice to go through. Uh, I'm going to share with you some of my previous experiences, some stories around it. And I'm going to share with you also some of the ways I personally cope with it. Obviously, as with every episode, first of all, I'm not a psychologist and this is not mental health advice in any way, shape or form. Uh, I'm just sharing my opinion on the matter and I'm sharing my understanding of it. And based on the research that I've done, uh, I'm sharing with you what I know. Right. So obviously, this is not uh, neither medical advice nor psychological advice in any way, shape or form. And the second thing is this does not relate to my employer. Uh, all of what you're going to be seeing today is going to be purely my opinions and my own thoughts on the matter. All right. So let's get started by, first of all, defining what is the imposter syndrome syndrome or what is the imposter phenomenon? Uh, some of you might know it already. Some of you might not. And if you don't know it, this is going to be uh, eye opening for you. Um, it's basically an internal feeling that you have, right? It's it's a feeling where you you sort of feel that you're not really competent, that you are don't belong to the place where you are. And this lack of competence feeling is not necessarily limited to work. It could also it could be in the workplace. Uh, it could be during your studies at university, at high school, at school. I know for a fact that I've experienced it throughout all of these stages. It could even be in your day-to-day -day relationships, maybe even amongst friends uh, or amongst your, uh, you know, romantic relationships with a partner. So you will feel like um, you, you're an imposter. You feel like you are a fraud. 
you feel like um, you are making some you 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 fake you are faking something, and at some point someone's gonna come in and they're gonna expose you for the fraud that you are, and they're gonna show to the world how um, you know how you've been pretty much lying to them all of this time. Obviously, none of this is is based in reality because you not don't necessarily need to be committing a fraud or an act of fraud here, right? It's more of a feeling or a sensation that you have. It could be based on some underlying reasons. Maybe you are you have missed certain steps to get where you are. Maybe you have skipped skipped them for a reason or another. I'm going to talk about this in a little bit. Maybe you feel like your colleagues are much more smarter than you are. Maybe you feel like they can solve problems in a much easier rate and you are struggling a little bit with them. All of these things can create this imposter syndrome. And that, that, that is not to say that you, you will ha have this feeling when you are lacking. On the, on the contrary, you could be a, a very well-established person. You could be the, the maybe an expert in your field. Nobody knows as much as you do in your field, and you would still have the imposter syndrome. And I'm going to talk a little bit about more about how this uh, materializes or how this manifests and how you will be experiencing it. So uh, first of all, I want to say that um, um, this, this, this syndrome has been discovered uh, pretty much, uh, it's it's been it's been discovered for quite a long time. Uh, it has been discovered by the psychologist. I forgot her name. Uh, sorry. Yes, it's discovered by Dr. Pauline Rose uh, Clance. She did a lot of research about it. You know, this is not just you know some of the new modern. Uh, um, I don't know what to call them without being uh, without saying bad stuff. But this is not you know some some modern psychological self-help stuff right this is rooted in actual science there's a lot of evidence for this for this feeling it has been observed with people from you know different demographics different genders uh different uh conditions for their lifestyle different socioeconomical means so on and so forth so let's talk a little bit more about the imposter syndrome from my own personal experience. But before we do that, I want to remind you that the chat is open. So please feel free to share your comments, your thoughts, your questions, maybe even your own experiences if you are, you know, if you have experienced this before. I would love to hear from you if you have the courage, of course, to share with the others, uh, because this is a very important uh, step. And I, I don't want to spoil, you know, the last part. Uh, but uh, sharing is a very important step in uh, making sure that this uh, feeling doesn't take over too much and cripple you from moving forward, right? So examples of how I personally encountered the imposter syndrome is, first of all, when I joined the American University at Beirut. For those who know, um, the American University of Beirut is one of the most prestigious universities in the country. The acceptance rate is very, very low, and they are very selective about who they accept. And it's usually reserved for, you know, uh, students from a certain socioeconomical background, uh, a, a background which I was not part of. I grew up in a, um, I'm going to say middle class, but probably lower middle class family. Um, and it's not necessarily, uh, you know, middle class in terms of, you know, intellectual capacity. It's more on the financial capacity. 
And uh, I struggled for the longest time when I finished my high school. I barely finished my high school. Uh, I, I'm, for those who know my story, I pretty much flunked my <laughs> entire high school, got kicked out uh, in the last year uh, from uh, a private school and I went to a public school. Long story short, there was plenty of reasons for me to feel like, um, first of all, that I'm, um, uh, I don't have the intellectual capacity to learn at such a prestigious university. The second uh, reason was that I felt like I did, I, I did not belong to that you know, socioeconomical class um, and that I am pretty much like an outsider you know, going to that place because obviously I was, wasn't able to afford it. Um, how did I end up at the American University of Beirut? That's a long story for later. Uh, let's just say it was a combination of luck, some some of my my attitude. Um, it's also pretty much um, you know some people pushing me in in a certain direction, and they had a huge influence on my at, at that point. Bottom line: this is to say that at the American University of Beirut, I definitely felt like an outsider. I did not feel like I belonged at all. I felt like at some point someone's going to come in and say, hey, sir, what are you doing here? <laughs> this is not your place. Thank you very much. You need to you need to step away. Every time I enter through the university doors, I felt like, you know, uh, even though I had my student card and I had every right to be there, I had every right to be at the university, to learn with the students, to pretty much utilize the campus as 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 any other student. Right. But I felt like. I, I'm a fraudster and at some point someone's going to discover me, right? So this is how the imposter syndrome materializes, even though there's absolutely no reason for me to feel like that. Uh, but for the reasons I just mentioned, that that sensation took over and it stayed with me until the point where I dropped out. And I think I, also part of the reason why I dropped out is because I let that imposter syndrome also take over a little bit, right? So... Obviously, financial reasons were a big part of this, but maybe, maybe there were mechanisms I could have explored. Um, but I think due to the imposter syndrome, I sort of gave up a bit earlier, right? Um, that's, that's how I felt throughout my university years. That imposter syndrome moved on and became even more amplified as soon as I got my first full-time job. Uh, I felt like um, maybe the recruiter did not really check my resume properly and they did not see that I'm actually a dropout. And at some point they're going to discover that I'm a dropout and they're going to say, oh, sorry, we made a mistake. <laughs> we gave you an offer, but we thought you graduated. You're, you're not really a graduate. And obviously, obviously this happens, right? A lot of people get discovered uh, after they get an, an offer and it could be related to certain requirements, visa-related issues, some educational-related issues. I don't know. It happens. Um, but this is to say that even on my first job, I always felt that way. I felt that I did not belong as well. I did not earn it. Uh, that uh, my other colleagues who might not necessarily have probably performed as much as I could, uh, you know, from a from a work perspective. Obviously, I'm not. I'm not judging. I, I think I had brilliant colleagues at that point um but i always felt like i am one step or maybe two steps or three steps below them that they were always superior that there was something they knew that i didn't that at any point in time someone's gonna call me out on it and they're gonna discover uh that i'm you know i'm i'm uh, i'm not who i say i am uh sorry i'm refreshing the page just because um uh, I wanted to see the comments on LinkedIn. I don't really like that platform a lot because the comments section on LinkedIn is is really horrible. I'm sorry, Muhammad. Uh, yeah, I know it's not clickable. This is LinkedIn. 
I wish I could fix it and maybe create, uh, you know, some issues for that, some issues for them to fix uh, the comments section. Uh, but maybe let me let me share this link with you. So whoever is watching me from LinkedIn and whatnot and wants to, to go to YouTube, uh, you can pretty much go to uh, this link. Let me add it over here and you will land on the live stream directly. Uh, so you can go to uh, glitch.stream slash live and you will end up on this on this live stream directly. So you can uh, comment, you can do uh, whatever you need to do there. Um, all right, awesome. So let's move on. Um, I talked about my experience at university. I talked about my first job. I have plenty of examples, so stick around. Uh, the second one is when I located abroad for the first time. Uh, this is the third incident instance where I felt like also I'm out of place. Uh, this has manifested in so many ways because let's just say that the way I ended up in that new country was not necessarily based on a work permit. It was more of a work visa type of scenario. And, uh, you know, it's it's legal, but it's, you know, borderline legal. Uh, so it's sort of a loophole in the system that people normally uh, ex uh, used, you know. And uh, I also, I felt like an outsider. I felt like I did not belong. I did not get the support that I needed. I did not feel empowered. I had to, you know, carve my way throughout all of this. And I felt like an imposter the whole time. This obviously was more amplified by the fact that I'm a dropout. It was more amplified by that by the fact that I'm in a new country. I'm going through a culture shock. I'm trying to deal with a new job. It's intense. There's a lot of there's a lot at stake, and um, it, it was it was very difficult for me. Right. So this is another instance where I had to deal with this. When I started teaching at SE Factory, that's the biggest imposter syndrome moment because like, who am I to teach, right? Like, <laughs> I obviously have plenty of experience in the field. I know my domain very well. I'm a, I, I do believe that I'm a good programmer, but still, obviously there's a lot more room to grow. I know that I have a lot of experiences in life. I know that I have, have been tried a lot in life and I have stories to share, but again, who am I to teach these people? Who am I, you know, to guide them through through their journeys who am i to show them which direction they need to go why am i the person to do that se factory for those who don't know is a software engineering bootcamp uh, that we started in lebanon with amazing founders fadin zena leah uh, um, and the team uh, amazing amazing group se factory is still ongoing until today we graduated a lot of students we helped them you know um, find employment and find decent jobs. A lot of them have even moved abroad after their after SE Factory. Um, they have had great careers. Um, there are a lot of great stories about the program. If you don't know it, check it out. If you are living in Lebanon, uh, it's a program designed for. Uh, I mean, not designed necessarily. I mean, we started in Lebanon. There were plans and ambitions to go abroad, but it's 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 been very difficult. Bottom line is, I felt as an imposter when I started teaching. Obviously, this did not go away, but it became a little bit easier with every, you know, cohort, with every a group of students that we graduated after we started seeing the success, after we started seeing the, the you know, how they were performing in, in real life and at work. Um, and, um, and yeah, it, it just, it became a little bit easier, but it never really went away. And I'm going to talk about all of these things and things to remember in the last section. Um, every time I got promoted, imposter syndrome. 
every time I got a promotion, I felt like I did not deserve it, that I had other colleagues who were much more, much better, much more performant, uh, who were had many, much more capacity to do greater things. I've always felt like it was not merited for whatever reason. And again, you can never shake away that feeling, right? And the biggest, biggest instance of the imposter syndrome was when I joined GitHub. Uh, because obviously, when I joined this uh, this company, you, you're, you're, everyone around you is a rock star, right? Everyone around you is a superstar in their domain. Everyone around you is very well established, plenty of experience, a lot of wisdom, a lot of great qualities, great character traits. This is not to say anything about my previous colleagues. Also, they're all fantastic. But GitHub is more of a, a hub, you know, it's more of a concentrated place with a lot of talent um, that is, is, is all located in one place. And obviously you come in with all of my history coming into a place with all of these fantastic uh, people. I felt completely out of, out of place. And I felt like, uh, yeah, someone is going to discover that I'm not really good at anything and that um, they're going to call me out on it and that things are not going to shape up uh, and, and, and evolve the way that they will, right? Obviously, this has been um, reduced or this feeling or sensation has been reduced by the fact that I have some of the most amazing colleagues that I've ever worked with. Uh, not, not amazing because they're just accomplished, but amazing because they are kind. You know, they are the type who are very, very smart, accomplished, intelligent, capable, but the, the kindness is the distinctive factor, right? They are all very kind and they want to make sure that everyone feels that they belong, right? This is a very important point. And this is also one of the strategies where we can help people combat or fight this imposter syndrome. I'm seeing a lot of comments. So before I jump to the next section, I want to take them on. Um, hello, hello, everyone who is saying, uh, hello, Ali. Virtual hugs to you, Layal. Thank you very much for uh, for joining this live stream. I know we should really meet up in in Europe someday. <laughs> I hope you have relocated successfully and that you're enjoying your your uh, new job and new country. Uh, you're saying that. Let me actually put it on the screen over here. Uh, I'm gonna put you in the spotlight. <laughs> All right. So you're saying I was very surprised when I learned about imposter syndrome. I thought I was the only one feeling that way. Uh, the question I keep asking is, does it ever stop? Do we ever become confident enough? Fantastic question. I think everyone is asking the same thing. And I want to comment on the first part because you thought that you were the only one feeling that way. Surprise. I think everyone knows by now that that's not really the case. Uh, there is something called, or this concept called pluralistic ignorance, where everyone doesn't know something about everyone else. And everyone doesn't really know how everyone else performs, what are the challenges that they go through, how much time they are spending on a certain challenge, how much time they are spending on solving problems. And we just assume or we speculate, you know, about everyone else's capacity. Uh, but we also uh, speculate it in a way where we exaggerate their capabilities and we underestimate our, our potential or our capacity, right? And obviously, this goes back to Kahneman and all of the the different biases and how we, you know, think about, uh, about risk, scale levels and all of that stuff. Um, thank you very much, Leal, for joining in for your comment and thank you for sharing. I'm going to talk a little bit more about the second section in a bit. 
I see here uh, a comment from Rabia. Of course, Rabia, my friend, thank you very much for joining the live stream. I should be joining your, your sessions. You've been an amazing uh, soft skills instructor at SE Factory, and it was a real pleasure you know, working with you and, and graduating these fantastic people. I know that you've had a major, major impact on a lot of their lives and a lot of their careers. Uh, I wish you all the success and I'm very happy that uh, to see your name, uh, your name today. All right, so let's move on to the next uh, part. A few things I want you to remember about the imposter syndrome, right? So first part is everyone deals with it, period. Uh, this is established already by statistics, by the science of, of Dr. Clance. I highly recommend that you go research her. Uh, maybe I'll drop her name, uh, you know, in the over here, just so that for those who are more evidence-oriented, they can actually go and do their own research um, about this concept. And you can um, check out all the, you can maybe read the papers and check out the statistics and the studies. Um, the imposter syndrome is especially prevalent in people belonging to minority groups, obviously, because they will feel like they are the most who don't belong. Uh, the minority groups could be at work, they could be within a group of friends, they could be in a new country, in a new community, they could be pretty much everywhere. Um, and the last thing I want to mention is that it is spread across ethnicities and it is spread across genders and it is spread across everything that makes us different. So, for example, we cannot say that uh, people from Asia have a lot of confidence, for example, or people in the U.S. have a lot of confidence. They don't go through, they don't ex experience the imposter syndrome. That's not, obviously not true. Uh, it is quite a common phenomenon, and everyone, pretty much everyone, deals with it. I want to mention a few things that tricked me early on in my uh, you know, in my life. And these are important things because not only I was battling with the imposter syndrome, but I was also not having the, a good snapshot of reality. And this is very important and critical because in a lot of periods of your life, you're going to have people who can fake confidence. And I'm not saying that confidence always is faked. I have a lot of confidence, right? Because in many aspects, I know what I've done. I know how much I'm established in certain areas. So I have a lot of confidence. I, am, I have a lot of confidence to be able to talk to you right now today about all of these things, right? But at the same time, a lot of people can fake the confidence. And this can throw you off. So if you're going through the imposter syndrome and other people are faking their confidence, and maybe they are over-exaggerating over their contributions, then you're going to have a much worse experience than what you would if you are going through the imposter syndrome but dealing with people who are being true to themselves. Let that sink in a little bit, right? So I know that you want to give everyone the benefit of the doubt. You want to trust people. There are a lot of amazing people, obviously, across the world. But just keep in mind that a lot of people can actually fake and exaggerate uh, a lot of stuff. Um, people can exhibit fake humility as well, right? So not only can they fake confidence, they can fake humility, right? So on, so they can say that they are, in a way, they can represent themselves as humble, but it's more of a humble brag, right? People can also understate how much they have prepared for something. And you will see this a lot in universities and in schools, and it will definitely throw you off. 
And I want I was personally one of the naive ones, one of the idiots actually, uh, because I used to rely a lot on my intellectual capacity and I didn't study a lot. So the hard work part of the studying, I did not do, and I was an idiot for it. That's why I was challenged a little bit in certain areas of, uh, you know, my studies, not anymore because I learned this the hard way. Uh, but I used to listen also to people who were academically doing well, who would say, yeah, I didn't really prepare much for this. Maybe I studied a couple of hours while in fact they were studying for 10, 12, 13 hours, right? So people will undermine how much time and effort they invested in something. So also keep that in mind when you are dealing with the imposter syndrome, don't be thrown off by all of these fake indicators. Always seek the truth and always look for a reasonable amount of, uh, to understand how much, of a, how much is a reasonable amount of effort for a certain activity and a certain task, right? This applies to your work. This applies to your life. This applies to pretty much anything you do uh, where you feel like, you know, you, you don't belong or you're not good enough. Now, what helps? The things that I personally find are helpful are the following. They're not necessarily in any order, right? And I would love to hear from you what you think helps in, this, in these scenarios. First of all, it's important for you to realize that you're probably never going to get rid of the feeling. I personally, I'm 33 years old now. I've gone, I've worked in so many different places across the planet. I've worked with so many awesome people across the world. I have worked in so many different places, small and big. I have done so much, you know, and I still feel that I'm an imposter and I'm a fraud and I cannot shake away this feeling. And if you ask my friends, they will tell you I'm, I, I come off as one of the most confident or egotistical person they will ever meet. You know, if, if you ask my close friends, they will say that I have a lot of confidence and that I don't necessarily, uh, you know, exhibit um, any imposter uh, feelings. What I portray is not necessarily how I feel inside. And this is very important, right? People can fake their confidence. I'm not saying that I fake my confidence. I do feel it. But I'm just saying that how I come off might not necessarily be an, in, an intimate reflection of how I feel on the inside. And these two things are completely separate and you should be aware of them. The second thing I want to mention is surround yourself with people who are true to themselves. People who are not afraid to say that they have, um, uh, people who are not afraid to, to talk about their shortcomings. People who are not afraid to look stupid. People who, when they do something stupid, they actually laugh about it and they make you feel comfortable instead of, you know, making everyone feel awkward because they've done something stupid. Surround yourself by people who are kind, by people who don't necessarily attack you when they see when you fall, right? Or when you do something ridiculous. People who would actually laugh with you about something, who would actually not necessarily. So the people who don't necessarily support you in the fake way, right? Because I see a lot of people supporting other people by saying nice things and yeah, you you look good, you do this, you're doing great, but it's not really the genuine you're doing great, right? There's a huge distinction between the two. And I want to create, I want to mention the distinction between being nice and being kind. And I've heard this in a recent podcast in the Knowledge Project, actually, by um, the chief strategy officer. 
for Chief Operating Officer of Bumble. Sorry, my, her name has really slipped my mind because this is uh, an improvised <laughs> part of, of the session. But anyway, she, she mentioned the distinction between kind and being nice. And I thought this is like mind-blowing, right? Because I see a lot of nice people, but rarely do I see kind people. And the difference is that nice people, for example, um, they will tell you whatever they think you want to hear. They will tell you things that might make you feel better, but they are not necessarily good things or the true things. Kind people are the ones who will um, deal with the, um, how do you call it, with the, with the awkwardness of telling you something that you might not necessarily, uh, you know, want to hear. But on the long run, this is what you needed to hear, right? So, for example, if you if you if someone has something in their teeth, right, like spinach or whatever, the nice thing to do is not to mention it, right, or or not to even talk about it, and and maybe even let it go. The kind thing to do is to actually tell the other person that they have it, so that they can take care of it and you move on with your lives. And this way, you avoided that person from having to do this awkward thing and deal with this awkward situation down the line, right? So this is the distinction I thought that it was brilliant. And now I'm really able to pick up these, these distinctions between being nice and being kind. And I'm also able to personally practice that uh, in my life, right? So I want you also to be aware of it. So surround yourselves by people who are kind and who are true to themselves. Talk more about your shortcomings and how you plan to overcome them. If you expose yourself, if you talk more about the areas that you're not really comfortable with, um, you're going to have, you're going to see miracles happen because these things that you are hiding and that you are very much afraid of, they will lose all of their power over you, over you when you put them out, put, put them out, when you share them with other people, there's nothing more to hide, right? There is nothing more to uh, be worried about because it's out there. What's going to happen? So talk more about these things. Share them. But who do you share them with? Obviously, you share them with the people who are true to themselves and you share them with the people who are kind. Not necessarily the people who are going to say, yeah, it's okay. You've been doing great. You don't need to worry about that. All this nice fluff. Share them with the people who will nod and say, yes, I understand. Right? These are the true people who you want to you want to be at the real view with them. Finally, and the last tip for how you can, uh, for what helps, in my opinion, is identify the people you look up to and listen to them talk about the imposter syndrome. And this personally helps me a lot. So when, when people I look up to talk about their shortcomings, how they felt in certain occasions where I thought that they were doing brilliant, I never even imagined that they were, you know, going through these thoughts in their head. Uh, it's mind-blowing and it's very um, eye-opening. It's eye-opening to hear them talk about, you know, their struggle. Not because, not because it boosts my ego, but because it makes them more human. And whenever you see the human element in someone else, it somehow enriches the humanity in you, right? So listening to other people talk about the instances and the areas where they felt uh, like they were fraud definitely helps a lot. And this was the last tip I had for you on this topic. 
Uh, I see a few comments then the chat that I'm going to address. Uh, but if I don't get a lot of, you know, uh, if you, if I don't get a lot of engagement, I think it would be nice to wrap up this session and make it a short one. I know a lot of people have been asking me to create shorter videos. I'm trying, I swear I'm trying, uh, but I sometimes like to hear the sound of my own voice. <laughs> so, but I, I'm just kidding. I enjoy these sessions a lot. That's why, that's why I don't want to make them short. Um, and they are a bit far in between. So I see a comment from Khalidi saying, I think uh, this is more visible on LinkedIn and Twitter. People feel discouraged by others' achievements. Uh, each individual has their own schedule, time to achieve their goals. That's totally 100% because um, I call this the hacker news syndrome. I came up with this, maybe other people did, but let's call it that. And the hacker news syndrome is where we have a front page that is showcasing all of the achievements of so many different people, right? Someone had their uh, company um, make a, get a series A, $110 million investment or whatever, and they just put it on uh, Hacker News and it hits the front page. Someone has created this tool where it became also a hit and everyone started using it and maybe even they made a lot of money out of it. And we get bombarded with a lot of these things on a daily basis. But what we don't get bombarded with is how much time and effort it took these people to get to this point. Maybe this person who now has raised the $10 million has seven failed startups behind him or her, right? Maybe this uh, developer girl that just published her tool, she has probably created 10 open source projects that maybe didn't even get noticed by anyone. And this is her 10th attempt. And this was the successful one, right? So. Social media is not necessarily a, uh, a bar for anyone. Uh, I know for a fact that the persona I create on social media is not necessarily an accurate reflection of me on a day-to-day -day basis. So you need to be aware about this. Uh, social media for a lot of the content creators is purely marketing. Even though they want to try to show you that they are genuine, it's a lot of marketing. At the end of the day, the incentive is to grow the numbers, to engage with more people, um, to sell something, right? So keep that in mind. Also, when you see a lot of the social media stuff, some people are just there to be, to be there, right? Uh, Elon Musk definitely enjoys his presence on social media, but I also think that his presence there is, uh, he has a lot of marketing stunts, for example, and he has, he wants to portray a certain, side of his character he is in control of what he shows people this is not elon musk he wants to say that he's genuine i don't think he is uh, i think he's a very smart calibrated person but on twitter he wants to act like a joker fine keep that in mind nadim my friend i'm very happy to see you I, i'm really sad because i'm seeing all of these awesome people come to the live streams and we're never getting the chance to meet in person um, I am sorry for that, um, and I will try to be a better friend. Uh, I see here that you say, uh, do you think social media has an impact on this in a bad way? Uh, obviously, uh, I, we just mentioned how, how it could be, uh, you know, how it could have a negative impact. Thank you for raising this. And uh, thank you for raising this. And I definitely think that social media has a bad impact on, on all levels, you know, like Instagram, Twitter, Facebook, whatever it is, people just want to share their accomplishments. You're never going to hear me come to social media and say, oh, today I uh, 
had a very negative uh, comment from my colleague, for example, about something I've done. Nobody does that, right? And you're only going to hear me celebrate my achievements. But out of the 365 days a year, you're probably going to hear me celebrate my achievements how many times? Once, twice, maybe. But what happens to the other days? I'm just a normal human being, just like everyone else. And I think everyone else on social media is, um, is pretty much like that. Allah, thank you very much, my friend. Thank you for joining the live stream. Uh, I'm very happy that we got the chance to go on a panel together. And I, I really hope that we get to do this uh, also sometime soon. I wish you all the best. And thank you for your comment. Uh, I really love seeing all of these, uh, these comments in the chat. All right. So um, I think Rabia is mentioning something on LinkedIn. Uh, let me actually uh, read it out loud. Uh, Rabia is saying, receiving testimonials and feedback that contradict our self-defeating scripts the one that we tell ourselves can act as a counterweight to the imposter syndrome. That's extremely good advice. Uh, obviously, Rabia, you are the wise one on these things, and I fully agree with you. Receiving feedback that contradicts how the negative feelings we have in our heads, they definitely help. I uh, definitely feel that this is true, and whenever I receive praise or whenever I receive you know, specific feedback that targets these imposter syndrome feelings uh, i definitely feel a little bit better about them uh, and they it reduces its impact on me right uh khaled is saying again maybe you can arrange a meetup so we can meet you in person yeah i would love to do that uh i am based in the netherlands though so i'm not really sure how much of a how much uh, of a meetup we can do maybe we can do an international meetup at some point uh, i would definitely love to do that we were discussing doing a meetup for one of the developer groups i'm part of mira devs it's probably going to be somewhere in Europe. Uh, if that materializes and we actually make it happen, I'll probably share the details uh, on all of the social media accounts and we can definitely um, find ways to hang out. And if I'm ever in Lebanon or Egypt or whatever, um, I will make sure to post it and maybe we can find ways where uh, we can uh, meet in person. I would love that for sure. That's all I had to do. For you, I had for you today, uh, folks. Thank you very much, everyone who joined. Um, I'm trying to look for other comments or other participations just to make sure that I mention everyone. Um, but it looks like there isn't. So thank you very much, everyone, for joining. I really hope that these series are helpful and they are sharing some meaningful information with you. Uh, if so, please let me know. I would love to hear from you. Uh, my DMs are always open. Uh, feel free to subscribe to my channels. Feel free to share this content with people who you think will benefit from it. Um, and um and yeah let me know how what type of topics you want me to talk about in the future i'm definitely open for a lot of feedback and i'm always looking for uh you know ideas this idea came from uh, marwa let me make sure i mention her so marwa thank you very much for this uh, for the idea for this live stream and i hope i did this topic justice Last comment from Nadim. Uh, should we compare ourselves with others? Uh, he believes, or I believe, comparison is good sometimes. It gives motivation. It depends on you. I personally don't like to compare myself with others because I feel like, um, because I feel like um, we might not necessarily be starting from the proper place. And I don't feel like this gives me justice, right? Some people might have started their life in a different place entirely. And if I compare myself to them um, on whatever metric, I feel like this is not uh, fair to me. Um, 
it's very difficult to gauge also whether we had the same luck or the same attitude or the same character traits. So there are a lot of things that come into success. There are a lot of things that, you know, have an impact on how you evolve and how you go through life. And it's it's very difficult when you start comparing yourself to others to eliminate all of these different variables, right? You're always going to be unfair to one side. And um, what I normally see people feeling good about themselves when they compare to others is normally they, whenever they are in the superior spot, <laughs> they feel better. Whenever they are lagging behind, they feel worse. Honestly, I'm not sure that comparing yourself to others would, would be helpful unless this is like some way you personally find to be, you know, a motivator. I personally think I'm self-driven and I push myself forward by the stuff I want to achieve. I have a lot of ambition and I have a lot of dreams and I want to get to a lot of different places. That's what keeps me going. But if you feel like, you know, uh, putting others as a challenge for you to get to, then uh, if that works for you, by all means, uh, who am I to say otherwise? So with that, thank you very much, everyone, for joining. I want to wish you a great evening, rest of the day, or uh, you know, morning, whatever you are. I'm not sure where you're joining from. And I want to wish you the best. Until next time.